This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I don't know how many of you heard our show yesterday at the stadium. Greg Buttle, myself, the post-game show when it was all said and done. So, you, you know, you've heard a lot of thoughts. Uh, or saw me on with Bruce Beck last night on NBC on the sports final show after Sunday Night Football. Uh, yeah, we, we've talked a lot about this. And, you know, when you look at the game, it's pretty much cut and dry. I, I don't think that there was anything that you have to read too critically into what went on in this game. The bottom line was... If you're the Jets and you're already going into a game like this without your starting quarterback, your margin for error diminishes. You have to do that much that you do well even better. And the things that you're supposed to do well and the things that you kind of identify yourself with, if you don't do, the, don't do those things, then you're going to have problems. And the Jets made one too many mistakes yesterday to walk off that field victorious. And, I mean, you know what they are. Drop passes. Missed field goals, missed PATs, shanking punts, missed tackles, ill-timed penalties. I, I mean, that's how you get beat. And we told you all last week that Baltimore, when you're beginning a season, and in this day and age in the NFL, where week one does not necessarily feature teams that are all systems go, right? Because for a lot of players, this is the first that they're Stepping on the field with one another. Even though they've been together all offseason, but you can't simulate that game experience on the practice field. You can't do those things. And Baltimore is one of the worst matchups you can have week one right out of the gate. The guy that plays quarterback for them is a matchup nightmare. He may not be your cup of tea. He may not be your style. Whatever you want to call it. You may think that he's still not a great thrower of the football. Whatever you want to call it. Bottom line, though, is the dude can play football. The dude can get things done. And he can make you look silly, and he did that on a couple of occasions yesterday. And you can only keep him down for so long, right? You can only keep that guy bottled up. And I thought the Jet defense did an admirable job yesterday for the most part. Like, if you ask me right now, what is the number one takeaway from that game? Like, if you want to say positively going into next week, it's the play of the defense. Really and truly was. Baltimore, when things are right for them, their identity is on the ground offensively. That guy has run for more yards than any other quarterback in the history of the National Football League during their first four years in the NFL. And if I would have told you before the game that the Jets are going to hold Lamar Jackson to 17 yards rushing, you would have signed up for that in blood if you could. Because you would have thought, hey, we might win this game. That means we're doing some good things. You know, the touchdown pass that Bryce Hall gave up. Bryce Hall was draped all over him. Over Duvernay. All over him. Say what you want about Bryce Hall, but you know what? The coverage couldn't have been any better. Lamar Jackson just put the damn ball where it had to be, where only his guy could catch it. Not being able to pick up a fumble that Mike Davis put on the carpet, where when it happened, all I saw were like five white jerseys to one purple jersey, and somehow the purple jersey ended up with it. For a team, by the way, in the Jets, that over the last couple of years has not done as good of a job getting takeaways and creating turnovers as you would like to see, those are critical, especially in a game like that. If they don't recover the fumble, what happens? Next play, boom. The highlight we just played for you, the 55-yard touchdown game set match. Brees Hall trying to make a play, fumbles, puts the ball on the ground. Michael Carter, 
even though the Jets probably still wouldn't have won the game at that point, Michael Carter got a touchdown waiting for him wide open. All he's got to do is secure the ball, walk into the end zone, drops the ball. I know a lot of people want to point the finger at the quarterback. I heard from a lot of you yesterday. A lot of people hit me up on Twitter and all these other things about Flacco this, Flacco that, Joe Flacco can't do this. Hey, was he perfect yesterday? Absolutely not. Could he play better? 100%. And I know that the statistics got a little bit skewed yesterday. Like, you look at the final line, and he threw the ball 59 times. I don't need to tell you that you don't want any quarterback. I don't care if his name is Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady. I don't want any quarterback throwing the ball 59 times, much less Joe Flacco at this point in his career. But those numbers got a little crazy because in the fourth quarter, Jets were down by three scores, and they're just throwing the ball on every play. And Baltimore couldn't care less. They just wanted the Jets to run the clock, and they would trade up some yardage. When you have a lead like that, that's how teams approach it defensively. So I don't get too bent out of shape. I thought the Jets ran the ball okay yesterday. You know, but they had to abandon it because they got behind. Michael Carter, aside from that drop, Michael Carter played good yesterday. You know, played pretty well. Brees Hall made a couple of plays, but you're just going to remember the fumble. Was it a total disaster? No, not a total disaster. Because I, I told you, there were some good things. I liked the play of the defense yesterday. You know, they got after Lamar Jackson a little bit. You know, Jermaine Johnson getting his first sack. Rookie, that's what he was drafted for. It was a little frustrating, though, i got to be honest with you, that didn't hear Carl Lawson's name all that much yesterday in the game, and... You know, a guy who kind of neutralized him to a certain extent was a guy who wore a Jet uniform last year. His name was Morgan Moses. And the Jets are playing a guy in Max Mitchell at right tackle who, let's face it, probably should have, like, redshirted this year. They didn't intend for him to play. But because of injuries and because of everything that happens in the NFL, right, next man up, and here we are. Offensive line needs to be better. Left side of that offensive line was... Not as good as you expect it to be. You know, George Fant didn't have his best game yesterday. You want to put that on the fact that George Fant, up until, what, three days or four days before, thought he was playing right tackle for the previous how many weeks? Okay, maybe, maybe not. Choice is yours. Lakin Tomlinson didn't have his best game yesterday, but this is a guy who's a veteran. He's a pro bowler. He'll be better. He gets it, and he'll be the first one to tell you that he has to be better. You want to chalk that up to not playing during the preseason and, you know, not having that cohesive type of mind? It's all communication on the offensive line. If one guy is off, if one guy is not on the same page with the rest, the whole thing falls apart. It's like the legs of a table. One leg goes down, the table crumbles. An offensive line is the same thing. So, yeah, they could get a heck of a lot better. But for week one, I know a fan is going to be frustrated because, look, I, I watch all the games, obviously. You know, and yeah, there were times yesterday where I'm in that press box and I'm looking down onto the field and the product that I was seeing, if you would have told me it was 2021, I would have believed you. If you would have told me it was 2020, I would have believed you. Well, there would have been nobody in the stands if it was 2020, but you get my point. At times, it really wasn't all that different than the product we have seen on occasion over the last few years. And how do you get better from that? How do you fix that? How do you change it? Because that's the only way this thing is really going to turn around. Now, the quarterback, I know a lot of people wanted to go to Mike White, right? Put the kid in, see what he can do. If they thought that Mike White gave him the best chance to win, 
he'd be starting right now. But we got one game out of the way. And I will say this, and I said it to the guys when I was on with them at the end of TMKS. Joe Flacco's going to start this week. But Robert Sala knows you got to win games. Robert Sala knows that he's only going to be judged by that wins and losses column, and he's going to play whether it's the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, long snapper, gunner on special teams, holder for field goals. He's going to play the best guys that give him a chance to win because that's what everybody's judged on, wins. So that leash is not going to be as long as maybe a former Super Bowl MVP would be afforded, talking about Flacco. I think he gets the start. Well, he'll get the start this week. But if that Jets offense for the first two quarters in Cleveland goes out there and plays like they did in the first half of yesterday's game, I would not be shocked if they go to the bullpen to come out of that locker room in half number two with somebody else under center. Because you can't be punting these games away. You can't just be going status quo. Stat, you know, this isn't, this isn't a, a situation like you had in 19, for example, when Sam Darnold was lost with Mono and the backup was, you know, um, Trevor Simeon and then he got hurt and then you were down to Luke Falk. Because if you're going three deep on your quarterback depth chart a couple of weeks into the season, that's a recipe for disaster. This isn't one of those situations, right? I mean, Mike White, say what you want about him, but he's a guy who's proven that he can win games in this league. He won a game in this league. Beat a team that ended up going to the Super Bowl. Now, he also played a Super Bowl caliber team a few weeks later in the Buffalo Bills and didn't do so well. But as a stopgap measure, sometimes you have to spark the team. And you can't just have six quarters of football from the offensive side of things continually just go through the motions. And at times it looked like that yesterday. And they're not going to let that continue again for four full quarters, I think, next week. 800-919-3776. Get your thoughts coming up next. Talking Jet Football. Dan Grosser Show on this Overreaction Monday, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's say hi to uh, Ira in Staten Island. He is going to be next up here on 98.7 ESPN. Ira, how are you, my friend? All good tonight. All good. And it's a pleasure to listen to some of the positive stuff you have. You know, it's amazing. And I'm built just as guilty as it as maybe a lot of other people your initial reaction, or my initial reaction, is you, know, you walk out of the stadium, you see the game, 
disappointed, you know, you're whining, this, that, and that. But then, you know what, I, I just rewatched the game. And, and you look at it, and, and all the points you just made out, listen, it stinks to lose, you know, the offensive line was off. We, we all know what the bad was. But when you look at some of the good stuff, Gardner was tremendous. Carter had yep. a really good game. I know I know he dropped a touchdown. Hall was good. Why Wilson is not more involved, I'm not sure. They have to get him on the field more. The guy's a playmaker. And defensively, you know, those pass plays that they gave up, yeah, I know they were chunk plays. I get all of that. But up until the middle of the third quarter, that defense, they played good enough to win. Now, they do have issues with the offensive line. The quarterback thing is going to play itself out. But I do agree with you. Fowler's got to win games. And this can't turn from 0-1 to 0-4 until maybe Wilson comes back. So at the end of the day, if they struggle offensively, I agree with you. He may want to look trying to kickstart the offense. Whether White will give him a better chance, who knows? But I, I do see him possibly making a move next Sunday. Hopefully that's not the case. But if they have to, I think they will. They're going to do whatever it takes to spark the team, Ira. That's the bottom line. And I thank you for the phone call. And look, Cleveland has a pass rush and they could get after it. Look, Miles Garrett's going to be a matchup nightmare for anybody. For anybody. You know, he had a couple of sacks yesterday. You last, you know, one of the last, I don't remember if it was the last time they played Cleveland. It might have been, but that Monday night game, week two in 2019, when he snapped Trevor Simeon's leg in half. I mean, Miles Garrett is, he is one of the most fierce defensive players in the National Football League. And the Jets are going to have, you know, two hats on him probably all afternoon. He could wreck a game. They can't go through another four quarters, as I said, like you had yesterday from an offensive standpoint. You just can't. Because at times it was like watching paint dry. And so much so, you almost really, after a while, didn't really think that they could sustain these drives and continue drives, for that matter. You know, because for a little while there, they were moving the football, and then all of a sudden, they would get halted. But you got to finish these drives. you got to make the play. See, that's the difference. Like, Baltimore, look, Jet defense was doing a good job on the Ravens, as we said. But they just kept coming, and they found a way to make plays. Jets have... The Jets have playmakers, skill position, talent on offense this year. You know, Garrett Wilson, Ira just brought him up. Garrett Wilson, I thought for what we saw of him yesterday, guy made plays. That effort on third and nine where he almost single-handedly got that first down. I mean, not the same thing, not the same stage, certainly. I was having like mini flashbacks to Mark Ingram in Super Bowl twenty-five, Like doing all he could to get that first down. Now, if you look at the replay, too, and even... Robert Sala mentioned it in his postgame yesterday that Garrett Wilson, and from where we were sitting yesterday, you didn't see that angle, but if he just, like, stuck the ball out, he would have had a first down instead of trying to make that, like, one extra juke there at the very end. If he sticks the ball out, he's got a first down, and then it would have probably been flashed a little bit more all over the highlights reel today. Garrett Wilson played. 41 snaps yesterday. Jets had 84 on offense, played 41 snaps. The only two wide receivers that played more than Garrett Wilson yesterday were Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Moore was in for 75 of the snaps, Corey Davis 57. And because of the way the game was unfolding, you know, all this talk about the tight ends, we were selling it to fans as much as anybody. Talking about this tight end room this year, C.J. Uzama, Tyler Conklin, and whatnot. You know, they're going to be a big part of this offense. Finally, finally. You didn't see much from, right? Didn't see much from. I know Conklin had that touchdown at the end in garbage time, but I don't even know, was Uzama targeted even once in the game yesterday? He came on with us in the postgame show, joined us on the set of the Coaches Club, but 
And they came out in 13 personnel, which means one running back, three tight ends. They were going to feature them. But remember that first drive of the game? That's all scripted. They work on that all week long. They know exactly what they're going to run, the plays they're going to use, so they have those formations set, you name it. But the rest of the game, those guys weren't featured in as much. I hope, I hope at some point here, they are more of an integral part of this offense as we all expected them to be. Let's say hi to David in New Jersey. He's up next. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. David, how are you? Hey, what's going on, Dan? What's up, hey, Dave? what's going on, Dan? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, man. Um, I like to say that uh, I love our Jet staff, but just going to the games like I do about like four to five times a year and seeing us lose, not fun. I mean, like, it's really hard for us because, you know, we left around the third quarter after that bomb. It's a toughie, but, you know, I'm not going to stop cheering for the team. But uh, I believe we can turn things around. It's one game, Dave. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, look, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade like the Giant fans who actually won yesterday, but it works the same way for a team that lost, right? I mean, you know, I could give you examples of Jet teams that went 0-2, and ended up going to the AFC Championship, you know, 1998. They started 0-2 and went all the way to the championship game. They finished 12-4. and You know, I can remember a Dallas Cowboys team. What was it, in 90, was it 93? They started 0-2, won the Super Bowl. Not saying that that's going to happen with the Jets, but, but one game doesn't mean anything one way or the other. The problem is, is that when you're in the middle of this funk that the Jets have been in for so many years, One game carries more weight, either good or bad, that if it's a bad performance like you had yesterday, you start having that same old, same old, same old, which isn't healthy to have, but unfortunately, that's all you're accustomed to. So how do you break out of that? How do you fix it? You got to start winning some games. The talent is better this year on this roster. I don't know how many times we've said it all offseason and even leading into yesterday. The talent is better on this football team. But you have to go out and prove it. Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next. Art, how we doing? Hey, Dan. Thanks Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. You know, um, I, I agree with what you said. Look, there's seven point on the book. So you're going to have to play well. And then you have your offensive line problem. My issue is a couple of things, okay? You got – and I like I like Doug, Douglas. I like what, he, what he's doing. But the thing is, he left this team with one – tackle until he signs a free agent for $20 million. I mean, you either address that with, like, on the offseason or something like that, or you're mentioning guys that were on our team that's playing now for a playoff team. I know you can't sign everybody, but they actually let somebody go that was, like, that was a, a that was on the offensive line last year, and you can't do that. You can't leave your team naked like that, and then that, that's what happens. And that's why I think White would have been a better option, only because he's more mobile. I'm not saying that that's the reason, okay? But I'm just saying that, look, when, when they played Cincinnati, they were crazy on the dog, and White somehow or another got him a win. I would rather go down with that than go down with Flacco, who's just, you know, basically sitting up there like, you know, he, he, he's not going to escape anything. So you don't know. Every time he gets sucked, you don't know if, if White would have got out of it. That's number one. Well, let me, let, me start, let me stop you. Let me yeah. stop you, and I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. But here's the difference, Thanks. though. When that happens, when the pocket collapses, and if you have a quarterback, they've got two options. It's like the whole fight or flight. 
Fight or flight, meaning if you're Flacco, you kind of just like try to scramble out, and we know that he's not fleet of foot, so he was getting swallowed up a couple of times. The flight aspect of things is what you do. You have a quarterback sometimes who panics, and instead of trying to escape, he just puts one up for grabs, and that's how interceptions happen. Because if you go back, I know that Mike White played great against Cincinnati, and he had that wonderful afternoon, which you'll never be able to take away from him, but remember a few weeks after that when he played the Buffalo Bills. That's what he was doing that day, putting balls up for grabs. And I think he got intercepted like four times to where the coaches said, right. you know what, enough is enough already. Right. He, he looked like Wilson. It's like, I got you. But um, I, I understand that part. Okay. The, uh, the, the last thing is, too, is, is Zerline. Like, I, I mean, I'm looking at his stats the past two years, and I'm thinking, don't they put any emphasis on the – like? I understand on special teams, but the the kicker, how important is the kicker? It's like, I'm not saying they would have won. Don't get me wrong. But you drive down and you miss a field goal. Right. It just puts a whole damper on it. You know, it just does. And this guy not only misses field goals, he misses extra points. I don't know why he, Douglas is sitting there going, hey, that's our kicker. And we had, you have all these picks. And, and Cincinnati last year proved it. Go get somebody in the draft. You can't do that. Well, all right, man. I, I mean. Art, I'm, hang I'm in hoping, there. Hang in there. Right. Art, it's thanks, one buddy. game, buddy. Hang in there. And then, you know, thanks for the phone call. <laughs> You'll probably be calling me next week complaining about uh, stuff that happens in Cleveland. No, all kidding aside, though. Here's the problem with that, though. Yeah, Evan McPherson was outstanding last year for the Bengals. Kicked how many game winners in the playoffs to help him get to the Super Bowl? It's one thing to... Waste a draft choice on a specialist, either a kicker or a punter. Jets took a punter a couple of years ago in the draft. How's that one working out? I'm not saying that Braden Mann has been awful, but has Braden Mann been worth a draft choice? Right? I mean, last year he was injured, missed the portion. And remember, the guy that they brought in last year while Braden Mann was hurt, Thomas Morstead, the veteran, Thomas Morstead, who had a Super Bowl ring, Thomas Morstead punted pretty good. Punting pretty good. Punting better than Braden Mann, if, if we're calling fact a fact, right? And, look, I wish I could sit here and disagree with what Art said about the kicker and Greg Zerline. I can't. I mean, do you realize – I don't know if I remember if I said it in the pregame show yesterday. But do you realize Greg Zerline is their seventh different week one kicker in the last seven years? You know, I think on the, the, the home game – of our show, one of our trivia questions for the night was, can you name all seven of those kickers that the Jets have trotted out there in the last seven years? You know, you win a prize. I don't know what that prize is. But, no, all kidding aside, last year it was Matt Amendola. Remember him? 2020, it was Sam Ficken. 19, it was the immortal Corey Vedvik. Remember what kind of a disaster that was that day against the Bills? Remember when Adam Gase, after the game, like Vedvik, that was the only game he ever kicked for the Jets. They signed him or they, like, acquired him, like, after the last preseason game leading into week one. So he had never kicked in a game for them. And then I remember after that game when he missed, like, a couple field goals, extra point or whatever, didn't make, like, one kick. And then Adam Gase in the postgame, they asked him, <laughs> the, the media asked him, like, when did you know that it was going to be a tough day for your kicker? And he said, in pregame warm-ups. I'm dying when he said that. But Vedvik in 19. Jason Myers in 2018, all Jason Myers did was go to the Pro Bowl that year and and was all pro, and uh, they decided they didn't want to bring him back, but that was the previous regime. Chandler Catazzaro in 2017, and in 2016, Nick Folk. And now it's Greg Zerline. Look, man, 
you can't be leaving points on the field. And that was one of the things yesterday in the pregame show when we were talking about the Ravens and breaking down them and what they bring to the table. Their kicker is the best in the league. So if it was going to be a close game and it did come down to a kick here or a kick there, you know what? You have faith that Baltimore's guy is going to be able to answer the bell because that's what he does. But you can't be leaving, especially if you're trying to make sure that you overcompensate for not having your starting quarterback. You can't be leaving points on the field. I know it wouldn't affect the outcome of the game, but, you know, 3 nothing at that point in the first quarter, and he shanks a field goal. And it wasn't like a 58-yard field goal either. It was a very makeable kick. What was it, like 45 yards for a guy whose leg is supposedly one of the strongest in the league? You know, 3-3 game instead of 3 nothing and the missed kick. Maybe the flow of the game changes a little bit, ever so slightly. You just never know how one play can predict what's going to happen next in a football game. You just don't know. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We'll get more of your calls. Plus, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, a feisty, feisty, all fired up New York Jets head coach during his weekly spot on the K-Show earlier this afternoon. What do you hear some of this? Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Let's say hi to Paul in Queens. He's up next right here on 98.7 ESPN. Paul, how you doing? Dan, how, how are you, buddy? What's Listen, up, let's Paul? Change your show. Let's change your show to Overrated Monday. Dan. Listen, the Giants head coach and the Giants defensive coordinator were candidates for the position of the Jet coach, and they have a better resume than Salah. Listen, I told you yesterday at the postgame show, he doesn't adjust. Look at the pattern. You said before, 2021. You know, it's almost like 2021. He doesn't adjust. You shut down. You and Greg said yesterday, oh, he shut down Lamar Jackson. He did. They didn't adjust at halftime. They got blown out. You know, listen, you know, why don't you, Artie, Ira, all the big Jeff fans, go listen to Connor Hughes 
YouTube kind of used what, what, he, what he said, uh, you know, what I heard this morning. Enough with, oh, we were good on third down. Great. Quinn Williams was great. You know, we got so much energy from Quan Alexander. Offensively, they weren't good on third down at all. They were terrible. Uh, exactly. 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 The thing is, enough of the rah, rah, rah. You know who did rah, rah, rah? George, you know, George Allen years ago. I don't want a rah, rah, rah. These poor people go to the games. Spend a lot of money. Trek, you got to be in the parking lot by 10 o'clock. You got to wait online to get checked, and they go for what kind of product. It's time that, you know, we start coming to reality and realizing one thing. Short term. Salad doesn't produce. You're out. Zach Wilson Paul, doesn't produce. You're out. Paul, enough, I don't disagree. Enough, Dan. Paul, I do not disagree with anything you're saying, and I thank you for the phone call. Don't disagree exactly. at all. Don't disagree at all. And Paul calls the post-game show. He's a good fan. Paul's fired up. Paul wants to win. Paul's a fan. And when you're a fan, you're entitled to some enjoyment out of your team. Are you not? And Paul wants to see the Jets win. And this isn't, you know, the 80s, the 90s, once upon a time. The whole four-year, five-year plan, that's not a thing anymore in the NFL. If you're a coach, you don't get four or five years to turn things around. You better produce, and you get a couple of years to do it, or else you're out the door. Think about the Giant coaches. Each of the previous two coaches to Brian Dayball, they each got, what, two years? Shermer got two years. Judge got two years. Now, you want to say that they pulled the plug too soon? Whatever you name, I, I, I don't know. Some coach, I mean, there are some coaches that are gone after one year now in the NFL. That's how crazy it is. And I think he knows that. You think Robert Sala wants to wait until, you know, 2024 to start winning games? Of course not. This is their livelihoods. You know, all the work that they put in, they're miserable if they don't get a victory. And then it stays with them for an entire week. Because they're putting in how many hours in a day? 12, 14 hours? Trying to turn this thing around? Watching film? Meetings? practices, you name it, any which area of strategy that they could get a little bit of a boost and then to not be rewarded on game days, that's tough. It's really, really tough. Trey's in the car. He's up next, 98.7 ESPN. Trey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, man? What's Um, up, Trey? And my big thing is I'm just wondering why they didn't try to bring back, like, in this situation with – Zach Wilson not being back possibly to week four. Why wouldn't bring back a quarterback that they had in the preseason, Strebler, that actually had success moving He's on the, the ball down the squad. field on the practice? So why not? So why not bring him back and and have him play with starters if he was able to bring move down the field? I mean, and I know they were playing against second team people against uh, the Giants, but still he had success moving the ball down the field, so why wouldn't he be able to have that success with actual stars like uh, Wilson and Corey Davis and, and, and company? Because I think you just answered your question, Trey. You answered your own question because think about who he was doing it against. That's why. You know, I mean, and, th- and that's the reality. And, Trey, thanks for the call. Look, these guys, the coaches, they watch every practice. They watch film of every practice. They know exactly what this guy can and cannot do. They've been around football their entire lives. And, I, look, I love Strebler. He's a great dude. Talked to him a few times. We had him on the pregame show once in, in the preseason. Great dude. You root for guys like that. But let's tell it like it is. 
you know, whether it was the Eagles game, whether it was the Falcons game, whether it was the Giants game, and Strebler was making plays like in the fourth quarter in those games, he was doing it against guys who aren't in the NFL anymore. As a matter of fact, like the other day, the doorbell rang, right? And I went downstairs to get the door, and it was a guy delivering a package. And I said, you look familiar. I said, do, do I know you from someplace? He said, oh, yeah. I was in the preseason with the Atlanta Falcons. I played linebacker. I played against the Jets. I was on the field when Strebler came down and beat us. I said, oh, that's where I know you from. I wished him luck, and, you know, he went about his day. I'm kidding, of course. But the majority of those guys that Strebler did that against are essentially delivering packages to your door. They're not playing in the NFL. And I know that those guys made it a lot further in their athletic careers than I did or you did or any of us did. But that's not the point. It's a bottom-line business. Not everybody can play pro football. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Richard. He is in Jacksonville. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richie, talk to me. Danny, boy, is it okay to talk about the Giants? or are we Richie, just be, you, you talk bet, yeah, about yeah. whatever you want to talk about because, hey, you know what, right. your team got a win yesterday, my friend. That's yeah. why. Uh, and, Dan, I had my 40-year high school reunion Saturday night. Sunday, hung out with all the old Giant fans from guys I haven't watched a game with in that long, and that Giant game delivered in spades. Incredible. You got to, you know uh, what, enjoy it. Seriously. I, you know what, don't give me a belt. Like, a lot of people are saying, oh, they're not going to be good. It doesn't matter. You know what, the hell with that. Enjoy well, the win, Rich. Enjoy it. I am. I am. So, let me, let me go over a couple of fine points from yesterday that I think were huge. One, everybody's playing up Dable's decision to go for two. Of course, I mean, it was, in retrospect, it's a great decision. But to me, the detail was he had the right play dialed up for that. That was a perfect play, and it just showed me that for a head coach in his first game with a team, he was really dialed in to what they needed to do, and you could tell that they had practiced that play many times. They were Rich, prepared. Rich, go. You're, look, it worked, so it was the perfect play, but go back and watch the play. I brought it up a little bit earlier. Tennessee had two dudes in the backfield, and Saquon had to make a juke move to get around them, but that play came so close to getting blown up, and then the Giants really? were walking out of there with an L. Well, there, there was also a uh, – uh, there was also – somebody grabbed his helmet on that play. But that, anyhow, You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah I wonder if the they would have called that. The other thing I want to make a point about is uh, the previous show, they were hating on – not hating, but they were basically saying, yeah, you know, we didn't find out about anything about Daniel Jones. You made the terrible throw. You know, his numbers from yesterday were good. And I, I'm, I don't know what it is or why everybody's so down on this kid. I, I really think he played a pretty decent game. And in the situations where, for example, Sterling Shepard got open, he hit him for a touchdown. I mean, you know, you, you realize how difficult it would be to have succeeded as the Giants quarterback the last couple of years. So I, I just think that he might, he might do a lot better. Let me ask you, I want your opinion about this. Yes. Three out of the four years that the Giants won a Super Bowl, isn't it true that they had a quarterback who was maybe in the top 10 to 15 in the league, not like not like a top five guy, whether it was Sims, Hostetler, one of Eli's years? Daniel Jones doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. He just has to be a top 15 to 20 quarterback. That's, I, I don't think that's a problem. What do you, I mean, what do you, what do you think? I, I think they had guys who were – well, Hostetler is an outlier, right? Because Sims – it's weird. Like, people just pass off Sims as if he had nothing to do with that year. Sims got hurt 
basically in mid to late right. December of that year. You know and what they, I mean? And, so, and they, and, yeah, and they were undefeated with him. They were like eleven and zero. I mean, they lost early. to the, they lost to the Niners on Monday Night Football. Right. That was their loss. And, but right, you know, then, so yeah. Hostetler won the important games. He won the playoff games. He won the Super Bowl. But Sims was definitely a top fifteen quarterback. Eli was definitely a top fifteen quarterback. And Hostetler was a guy. Rich, remember in the eighties and then into the nineties. Back then. Like, you could keep really, really good quarterbacks on your roster as even a backup. Like, look at Montana and Steve Young with the 49ers. Hosteller was a starting caliber quarterback, but the Giants didn't have to move him because why? It's good to have insurance, and then we know he went to the Raiders and became a starter a couple of years after that. All all I'm trying to say is this. Daniel Jones does not have to be a top-five quarterback for him to be successful and a winning quarterback with the Giants. I get it. The game is different now. You know, it's a quarterback-dominated game, but I I think – if this, I think it can really work out with this kid, and it looks like Dable might be the right coach to, you know, to, to get him where he needs to be. But, you know, he only threw 21 passes yesterday. If they can keep him under 30 passes a game and Saquon can run, I don't think, you know, I don't think we have to set the bar incredibly high for him. That's, I don't know, what, what do you think about that? You need the rest of your team to be super special in a lot of areas, Rich, and thanks for the phone call. Like, you know, you better have a top-notch defense. You better have a defense like you had when you beat the 18-0 Patriots, right? You need something like that. You know, Tampa Bay in 2002 won the Super Bowl because they had that defense. Brad Johnson was the quarterback. Brad Johnson was okay, but Brad Johnson was, at best, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback in the NFL. Everybody brings up Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer was probably bottom third quarterback in the NFL, but he had the 2000 Ravens defense. Right, which is probably one of the top two or three defenses of all time. And that's why they won that Super Bowl. You don't have to have the stud. You don't have to have that quote-unquote elite quarterback, but it helps. We'll talk a little more about that. And looking ahead, like how Daniel Jones stacks up against some of these other passers he's going to be matched up against here on this giant schedule. And plus, you will hear some of that Robert Sala on TMKS from earlier today. We go till 10, Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> we all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, 
visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Let's say hi to Christopher. He is from Bethpage. He's up next here on the Grasa Show. Chris, talk to me. How are things? Hey, Dan, very good. Um, listen, uh, I'm a big, big Giant fan, 59 years old. I've seen it all. The Sims era, you know, the Jerry Goldstein era, you know, Eli Manning, of course. And, you know, this whole Daniel Jones thing, it really reminds me of a lot of what Eli went through in, in the early days. It really does. Like, I, used to, I was a season ticket holder. I used to mm-hmm. sit next to these people the year they won the Super Bowl, 2007. Mm-hmm. He threw four picks against the Vikings, if you remember, in that year. Yes. And even, even the general manager, Jerry, Jerry Reese, said, I think our quarterback looks skittish, okay? Now, this was, you know, the overall number one pick, okay? And they were worried about whether they were going to, if he was ever going to bring them to the Super Bowl, okay? And even after he won the Super Bowl, that's what happened. You know, all it took was the year after when he didn't get it done in the playoffs in 2008, same fans in the stadium. So what I'm trying to get at is, I'm not saying Daniel Jones is as good as Eli. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I'm seeing a lot of the similar negative things that Eli had to win that second Super Bowl, believe me, to get all these people off his back. Trust me. And then, boy, four years later after that, they got right back on his back again. So I just think it's inbred in a lot of my fellow Giant fans that it's just you're never going to be happy. Like, we don't have Patrick Mahomes. We don't have, you know, Tom Brady. That's not what he's going to be. But I'll tell you this much. The guy threw four incomplete passes yesterday, okay? Mm-hmm. He managed the game. And I think I, <clears throat> this is my message to fellow Giants fans. Trust me on this. He is not going anywhere. I could just tell. I could tell the way Dable went over to him and told him, you, you screwed up. You threw that bad interception. It's not going to happen again on my watch, okay? And what did the guy do? He comes back. Five and a half minutes to go in the game, takes over the ball at the 28-yard line, drives them all the way down the field, throws the game-winning touchdown pass. Okay, granted, it was a short pass, but by the way, that was a, he throws it to a backup tight end that nobody ever heard of, okay? And he just Chris, what about the two turnovers, down. though? What about the two? Like, no, 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 you can't, listen, have, you can't have interceptions in the end zone. Those are killers. Killers. I know, but what happened after that? Dan, this is my point. I will just tell you, and I promise, I will call you back up. The next time, and I promise, I'll own up to it. The next time he throws an interception like that, because I'm just telling you, Dable had it out for him and after he did it. And, see, you're doing the same thing. You're focusing in on that. And you're saying that, you know. Oh, I, Chris, I that's his identity. Oh. Chris, 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 that's his identity so far. If you ask any Giant fan or anybody that has a working right. knowledge of the Giants over the last four years, if I said, describe Daniel Jones' fatal flaw so far as an NFL quarterback, what's the answer? It's the turnovers. All the guy does is turn the football over. So Eli did too. That's my point. Not Eli to this extent. Well, Eli remember, Eli, though, Eli went to the, 20, I mean, Chris, Eli, Eli won. Eli won a division no, title in his in second year. Either. He led the league in interceptions, Eli, a couple times, Eli But did. Eli at least league. showed you some progress as far as winning football games, and that's why we're all here, Chris, and thanks for the phone call. That's why we're here. you got to win games. Eli was a division champion in his second year, took the team to the playoffs in year number three. Year number four, he hoisted the damn trophy. This is year number four for Daniel Jones. Is he hoisting a trophy at the end of the year? I don't think so. Has he gotten to the playoffs already? Certainly not. You can't just keep washing away. The, oh, well, you know, that's what he... Please. 
You 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 saw how Brian Dayball reacted yesterday when that happened. You think he's going to put up for that all season long? In an evaluation here, you think that Dayball's just going to keep forgetting about the fact that Jones is turning the ball over and throwing INTs in the end zone? And remember, he lost the fumble early in the game in the first half when Bud Dupree got him. Two turnovers. If Randy Bullock puts that ball through the uprights yesterday and the Titans win that football game, guess what the phone calls tonight are going to be about Daniel Jones? Not that they won the game, not that they managed the game so well. It's that Daniel Jones again and again and again turns the ball over and it hurts the Giants when it comes to their chances of winning football games. That's what the talk would have been. But isn't it amazing? One kick, one missed kick. And now the outlook is so much more rosy. But I guarantee you this, 16 more of these games, if he turns the ball over twice for the next 16 games, Giants are going to have a different quarterback week one of next year. Bank on it.